Welcome to the King's Chapel, Alaska podcast. From wherever you are listening, we are so excited that you tuned in today. Let's prepare our hearts to hear from God's Word. I know we have people here in all different walks of your faith. Some of you get it. Some of you are trying. Some of you don't get it. But you're welcome. And it's okay. Because we all have one thing in common. We're seeking Jesus. He's who we glorify. And tonight I want you to feel comfortable. By the way, I love kids. Come on. Please don't keep them so quiet that they don't like church. They can squeak. They can move. They can even wiggle. It's okay with me. Makes me feel more comfortable. I love it. I absolutely love it. You know, we have an orphanage in Guatemala with tons of kiddos. We have a feeding program and a church in Kenya, Africa. Tons of kiddos. And tonight, I'm going to minister a little bit, and it's going to be a little bit geared towards the kiddos. But that means you, because guess who you are? You're a kiddo. We're all children to the Lord, right? And so I'm going to put up pictures and things, help the kiddos get it, but I bet you're going to get it too. So first of all, I'd like to show you our Easter video from Casa and Helena, where Jesus is alive. Hallelujah.
is not your ordinary orphanage. <laughs> Please come. You are welcome to come visit. We have a good time. And the kids are growing and changing and learning about Jesus. And they're just shining. They're just amazing. So tonight I'm going to minister out of Mark 4, 14 through 20. And I want you just to kind of try to erase what you've heard about verse 15. Because we have this thinking about verse 15. And it was, I mean, it was in my heart and soul until God said, let me show you a different way to look at it. I'm so grateful. I needed it so badly in my life. Being a minister, being that I get to counsel with tons of people, little kids, on and on, I found myself in a direction that I didn't feel was the right direction. So I went to God in prayer, and he showed me this verse. We're going to start in verse 14. You know, 14 is right before 15, and they go together. Verse 14, the sower sows the word. And it doesn't end there. It keeps going into 15. These are the ones who are beside the road where the word is sown. And when they hear, immediately Satan comes and takes away the word which has been sown in them. In a similar way, these are the ones on whom seed was sown on the rocky places, who when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy, and they have no firm root in themselves, but are only temporary. Then when affliction or persecution arises because of the word that was sown, immediately they fall away. And others are the ones on whom seed was sown among the thorns. These are the ones who have heard the word, but the worries of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. And those are the ones on whom seed was sown on the good soil and they hear the word and accept it and bear 30, 60, and 100 fold. Jesus, help me tonight. Thank you. Being a type A personality, I look at 30, 60, and 100 fold and immediately think, I want 100 fold. That's me. I'm going for the A plus. I'm not settling for the B. How many can relate? And all the women went, yeah. And, you know, pegged, right? And so I'm going for the hundred in every area, in every area, every day, every day. And I'm married to Ivan Tate. And he preaches these amazing words. And every time I'm convicted to my core and I want to have it producing me a hundredfold fruit from everything he preaches. This is 44 years of trying to be a hundredfold in every area. He preaches on peace. I'm like, yes, I'm not going to worry anymore. No, not one more minute. I am going to sleep at 10 o'clock. <laughs> I'm waking up at 6, and I'm going to exercise. I'm going to be a hundredfold person, you know, every time. 1.30 in the morning, oh, man. 
I thinking about this? Why am I worrying about that? Why am I so concerned? Jesus, what happened to the word? Right? So God convicted me about these things, and he said, listen, that's not what the word says. The word doesn't say, oh, you're a 30, oh, you're a 60, what a disappointment. I only like the hundredfold return. That's not what the word says. The word says the power is in the seed. And the seed accomplishes these things in my life. You know, when I don't have peace to sleep from 10 to 6 or whatever my goal is, God is using his word, the word that I've preached, the word I receive. He's using it in my stony place. He's convicting me of a hardness I have, maybe an unforgiveness. Why am I worrying about that? Have I not surrendered that person to Jesus? Do I need to get on my knees? The word is producing in me. It's producing in me because it's convicting me. Conviction is fruit. Conviction is producing in me. The word breaks up my stony ground. It breaks up my, my ground that is full of thorns. It, it identifies birds that are picking things off for me. It's identifying them to me because if I can't keep my peace, then I have to get on my knees and say, God, why am I so worried over this? If just hearing the word meant I got peace and now I've got it, I would never be convicted about my thought life. I would never be convicted about the things I need to take in prayer. The power is in the word that is sown. The power is not in me. The power is in the word. I'm going to give you some examples of this. And I want you to know that bad circumstances can't kill good seed. Look at Joseph. God gave him a word in the pit. God gave him a word with his brothers. All these circumstances happened to Joseph. Did that nullify the word that God spoke to him? It kept producing. It produced in his life. The word in your life, as you receive it, as you let it be sown in your rocky place, in your shallow place, in your rugged place, that word will produce. But at the same time, I want you to back up to verse 14, and I want you to see yourself as the sower. The word, the sower sows the word, is not just Jesus sowing into our lives. He gives us a bag, and it's full of seed. If tonight you have read the Bible for the first time, you have seed. If tonight you know that Jesus is God, you have seed. If tonight you can quote me the whole book of John, you have seed. And the Bible says... The sower sows the seed. And I'm going to show you how this convicted me in my life. I have 140 kids, just as an example. In Guatemala, I get phone calls every day about them. When I'm there, I have back-to-back 
times that I get to minister and talk to them and counsel them. And it's such a joy. It is such an honor. But I let that type A kind of get in there a little bit. And I think, you know, I've talked to this girl for seven years now about the same thing. I think she just wants my time. Is this good time management? <laughs> Maybe I need to give her about 10, and then I'm going to go over here to this new girl that I haven't gotten to really speak into her life yet, and I'm going to give her 30. And God said, wow, is that the way I treat you? Because you think you're judging the soil and saying, mm, you look rocky, mm-mm, thorny, mm-mm. Weedy, mm-mm. Ooh, good ground. I'm going to spend my time there. And isn't it all rooted in pride, saying, I'm going to get the most bang for my buck in this field. This field over here, I'm not sure about. And I want to have production in my ministry. Wait a minute. Somebody got on the throne that only belongs to Jesus. Believe me, you say, whoa, I said, I'm so sorry, Lord. When did I lose faith in the seed? When did I lose faith in the power of the seed? And when did I think it was me? Lord, help me not to judge. Help me not to judge the field. Help me to sow the seed. The sower sows the seed. You can stop right there and live the rest of your life. Just sow it. Hello, McDonald's lady that's serving me coffee. You know God loves you today. Hello, lady at Walmart who's checking out my bags. God bless you today. I know God is giving you strength for the journey. You can do it. You have seed. You don't have to turn back and say, oh, they changed because I said that. They got really convicted because I did that. That's not your job. All you have to do is sow and sow and sow and sow and believe that the seed is powerful enough to go where you can't go. You can't touch you can't possibly even understand, but the word of God is so powerful. It goes there. Go ahead, sir. Number one. They say that there's a third of the buildings in the world that have become discarded and are no longer in use at all. And I want you to see the seed that never gave up. That's like five stories. And this makes me think of the grandma, the great, great, you know, the gal in the covered wagon that came over praying for her family. Then they got who knows what, 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 empty, empty. And then, whoa, there's a preacher sprouts up. There's a woman of God sprouts up. There's a woman that believes God for healing. There's a teenager that says, hey, I'm still here. That's what that reminds me of. Look at the power of the seed. Isn't that amazing? Next. We've all had this problem. 
You can't keep things from growing where you don't want them, right? <laughs> they find a way. Seed is powerful. Life finds a way. And the word that we minister, the, the beauty of Jesus is he is life. He is life, more abundant life. If a little plant, a weak little plant, can make its way through cement, what can the word of God do in someone's heart? You have no clue. You won't even know until you get to heaven. You won't even know. But then Jesus gets all the glory because it was his word. It wasn't your words. It was his word. That's, that's the thing that produces. Next. Things that are discarded, even violence in people's homes. We've seen this so much at the orphanage. The beauty that comes out of violence. The life that comes from ill-spoken words, from harm and damage trying in people's lives. God turns those things through his word into a testimony into something miraculous. Only he can do this. Next. How about that? How about that waste? And yet there's life. There's life. And the person didn't take a picture of all the tires. He took a picture of the life. Because it's a miracle. Out of those places that you never think this person you know, I'm intimidated. It's too much for me. I, I don't think I can speak to this person. I, I'm not qualified to say, good morning, God bless you, to this person. He's so intimidating to me. And yet, when we have faith in the word, we sow the word. Miracles happen in those places. God needs us on the earth in 2021 to sow the seed. He needs us on the earth to open our mouths and sow the seed. Next. Eek. Between walls and fences and pastor prayed this morning for our lost family. Don't give up. You don't know what little shoot is on the other side of that wall making its way. Coming through. Next, how about that? That's a whole wonderland, a botanical garden that was once considered waste. A bot are you a botanical garden? I feel like my life has become a botanical garden when it was an empty, rusty shell. Next. You know, out of that mouth of yours, <laughs> you put enough seed in there, life will come out. Don't give up on yourself. You can do it. Next. Isn't that beautiful? Dry ground. Dry ground. Yes. Next. All isolated and alone all closed off, yet the word, yet the seed. Next, locked up. 
Look at that. You can't reach in there. You don't have the key. Guess what does? The word. The word. Sowing the word in those impossible places. You may not even know it's impossible. You don't know. God knows. That's why he gave us such a good word. That's why he gave us the best seed. He gave us the best. Next. I love this one. I don't know whether this was a seed under this boulder or whether it's a root of another tree, but it doesn't matter. It broke apart a hard place. And the Bible promises that in those places, it can produce 30, 60, and 100 fold, but it will produce. It will produce. The word has a way. The word is the promise. Remember that bad circumstances cannot kill the good seed. And I want to end with this. In Mark 4, 26, it says, The kingdom of God is like a man who casts seed upon the soil. It's like a man, you and me, who casts seed upon the soil. And when he goes to bed at night and gets up by day and the seed sprouts and grows, how he himself does not know. The soil produces crops by itself. First the blade, then the head, then the mature grain in the head. He himself does not know how. God needs to be that big of a wonder to you. I don't even know how this even works, God, but I'm going to tell somebody you love them today. I'm going to bless them today and say Jesus has a plan for your life. I don't know how it works. You can rest easy at night knowing that, the, that God will produce with that. You see, even when you don't see it, he's working. Even when you don't feel it, it's working. God never stops. He never stops working. And that's a song we sing in church all the time. I want you to know that the seed has the power, and when you sow it, it will produce. Awesome. That was great. Praise the Lord, babe. That was awesome. I love that. 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 Praise the Lord. That was awesome. That was awesome. I love that. I love that. I love that. That was awesome. Mmm, that was awesome. Praise the Lord. You know, pastor's high right now, so we ought to see how we get some of them stings right in there, you know. <laughs> yeah, qualify. Yeah, sting. Uh, be sting high. Oh, my gosh. Praise the Lord. We are, we are uh, talking to you. Let's have the band come up if they would. We are talking to you about uh, being overcomers. And consider what you just heard from Miss Kimberly as the first secret of overcoming, which is the Word of God. Revelation 12, 11, they overcame the devil by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony and they did not love their lives even to the death. Jesus always used the seed, the word, to overcome the devil. Praise God. If you're going to be an overcomer, then you have to be addicted to the Bible. 
The Bible manifests itself in two ways to you, a locked Bible and an unlocked Bible. A locked Bible is a Bible that does not give you revelation when you read it. It is a dead book. It has a lot of nice poetry and a lot of nice sayings and a lot of things like that, but it doesn't have the wonder working power in it until the Holy Spirit illuminates that word and applies it to your personal life. It's still just a book that can be read without consequence. But once the Holy Spirit shines his light on that seed, that word, then it changes you completely. As it says in Hebrews 4.12, the word of the Lord is quick and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing and dividing between soul and spirit. So memorize the Bible, memorize the scriptures in the Bible that when you read them, jump out at you. That's called a prophetic word. So when you're reading different translations and you find a verse, you say, well, that's interesting. Interesting. You look at different trans and then you read one and it just jumps out. That's called a prophetic word. When you memorize those words, they give you all the power that you just heard about where the seed can produce in any condition and in any soil. That's pretty powerful. You have to become a word addict to be an overcomer. You literally have to become a scholar of the Bible. You have to become a truth seeker and a constant eater of the word of God. If your insides are filled with the word of God, then you will be flowing constantly in the power and in the anointing to overcome your situation. It is the word of God that gives you the power to overcome what you're facing. The more of the Bible you have in you, the lesser power your outward life has towards you. That's why we have to constantly be eating the Bible, memorize it to get it in your brain, meditate on it to get it in your spirit, and then act on it to get it activated into your circumstances. These are the rules of the Word of God. Memorizing the right scripture and then learning to meditate on it. Let me teach you how to meditate real quick. How many of you know how to worry? Worry is meditation. Except in the negative. So flip it over, get the scripture, and then positively worry about it. Turn it over and over and over and over and let it speak to you of all the wonderful possibilities that are going to happen because that prophecy, that word is your word and is going to come to pass. How is that building going to be paid off in five years because of the seed? Your little seed will turn into a big seed. One person gives a thousand and that thousand turns into 10 and then a hundred and then a million and then five million and then 10 million and then I'm invited over to share in the burning of the mortgage. I wanna be here. Do not burn that mortgage without me. <laughs> we gotta pray for pastor, he got bit. How many times, I mean, you, you look bit. 
mean, that, that looks, praise the Lord. Let's extend our hands over there. Lord, we pray for Pastor Daniel, who got bit by his little friends. And we ask you, Lord, to just let his body just uh, acclimate without any kind of reactions in Jesus' name. Amen. I have been memorizing the Bible since I was 17. And I have a lot of it in my in me. It is the thing that has delivered me from more things and more circumstances and more people and more situations than anything else. If you want to be an overcomer, the first secret is the seed, the Word of God. Sow it in your body because remember, when you're in the heat of battle, when you're emotional, when you're offended, when you have crazy emotions, when you're battling your body or you're battling uh, a mistake you made or battling guilt or battling shame or battling accusations, you're going to need something to dismantle that with, and that is the Word of God. You've got to have something to shut Satan's mouth because he is going to be screaming at you and he's going to be using the truth of your failures. Satan is the father of lies, but he'll use the truth if it's beneficial. So you've got to know, God forgives me, I'm clean, I'm starting brand new, and God is going to give me strength, and I'm going to have victory, and I'm not quitting, no matter what happens. Praise God. Everybody say it out loud. His delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. He or she shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. And whatever they do shall prosper. Hallelujah. Praise God. Look at somebody and say, let's eat some seed and let's throw out some seed and let's spread it all over our families and all over the house and all over our children. Get into the word, meditate on that word, study the Bible, pray the Bible, sing the Bible, go around singing the word. Just get in your car and memorize a verse and sing it. Like Pastor was singing, you know, today about tithing. He's just making up stuff. See, that making up spirit, that is the fruit of intercession. Because when you spend time interceding, you start singing things. You start singing the Bible. You start prophesying the Bible. This is powerful to do to your children to sing the Bible, to prophesy the Bible, to speak the Word of God to them. It's very, very powerful. When your children are little and you sing it to them and you say it to them and you make them memorize the Word of God, because remember, God's Word is eternal. It is perfect. It is the spoken mind of God. And the mind of God is medicine and healing to all your flesh, to your mind, will, emotions, conscience, intuition, and communion. When your word starved, then you are open for demonic invasion psychologically. 
guard the gate of your mind by guarding the gate of your ears and the gate of your eyes. Praise the Lord. Go ahead and tell somebody next to you, I don't know about you, but this year, I'm going to memorize 52 verses. Turn to somebody and say, I'm going to memorize 52 of my favorite Bible verses, and I'm going to be able to quote them to anybody in the church. I'm going to pray them over myself. I'm going to pray them over my wife or husband or my children, over my job, over my business. Let's do that right now. Let's lift our hands right now and pray the Bible over your business. Pray the Bible over your job. Pray the Bible over your marriage right now. Just say it out loud. Say, God, I just prophesy over my family. I prophesy over my business the word of the Lord that we shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. Everything we touch shall prosper in the hands of the Lord. Praise God. The word of the Lord has to be journaled. You journal it. You get on your knees. You open your Bible. You pray over your Bible. And the Holy Spirit will unlock it. Because people say, I don't understand how the Bible can be locked. Because the Bible is a book for seekers. It's for people who are sincere about Jesus and about God and who are searching for the truth. I actually got saved the first time I read the Bible. I actually got saved. My mother used to tell me and my little sister when we were young, don't ever read the Bible because you will go crazy. Only the priests can interpret the Bible. They will tell us what it means. Don't read it. Are you going to grow long hair and walk around barefooted with a guitar singing to the little green people? And honestly, I was terrified as a child of the Bible. I mean, I would just, if I even knew there was a Bible in the vicinity, I was freaked out. And my mother had a little one, had a gold pearl cover. She had a lock on it and she would hide it in the drawer. I said, my gosh, mom, why do you have that book in the house? And she said, it's safe, it's locked. Think about that. The most perfect person in my life who would never lie to me because sometimes, brothers and sisters in the Lord, members of the jury, the most dangerous person in your life sometimes is the best person in your life because the worst person the best person with bad beliefs becomes very dangerous because of our trust in what they say praise the Lord say it out loud I'm going to eat the Bible I'm going to pray the Bible I'm going to sing the Bible I'm going to prophesy the Bible I'm going to memorize and meditate the Bible every day. The whole Bible is my assignment for the rest of my life. One last thought, and it's very important. 
Some people believe that they're not responsible for what they don't know. It's actually not true. You are responsible for what is available to be known. Just because you don't go to church because you don't want to learn anything. Because then, oh my God, now I know. <laughs> because you can get to heaven and plead ignorance. Oh Lord, I didn't know nothing. He's going to say, yes, the Bible was next to your bed. You're responsible for it because you have access to it. So you're accountable for everything written in it, whether you choose to learn it or not. That's why you better dive in to the word of the Lord. Praise God. Tell somebody next to you, I'm a word person, and I want to be led by the word, and it's going to produce seed in my life. Praise God. I'm going to give you two more, and then I'm going to minister to people in the Holy Ghost. And I just want you to have your spirit of expectancy up because God is a miracle worker. Praise the Lord. He does miracles. That's his job. And we want him to because we're available to the Holy Spirit. Jesus preached, and then he flowed in the power of the Holy Ghost. He demonstrated the power of the Holy Ghost to individuals. It wasn't like, okay, you're all cattle with no faces. He called people by name. He spoke to them personally. And that's the way all ministry should be set up in every area. Two, and this is found in Hebrews 2.14. I guess they're going to put them up there. And you all can kind of just stand there. And you don't have to play right now, but just kind of stand there till I tell you what to do. Hebrews 2.14, as in much then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is, the devil. Let's see verse 15. And release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. The second secret of becoming an overcomer is your position. If you know what your position is and what the position of the devil is and his demons and all the forces of hell, then it allows you to stand in a place of victory. For example, we read there, go on to Colossians. Let's read uh, Colossians chapter 2. Having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. Verse 15. Having, listen to this, everybody say it together. Having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. Praise God. Let's take a praise break for Jesus' victory. Lift up your voices and shout unto God and say, praise God, Jesus defeated the devil. Let's all say it together. Jesus defeated the devil. Tell two, three people around you, Jesus defeated the devil. Say it again. Jesus defeated. Say it again. Jesus. Say it again. Jesus defeated the devil. Praise God. First, you have to know Satan's position. You see, some of you have battles and fail because you really 
believe that Satan has power. There are three things that happened to Satan at the cross. First, he was disarmed. Do you know that no demon of hell and no fallen angel of hell nor Satan himself can actually touch you or harm you unless you get out of the circle of protection, which is the blood of Jesus and a life of obedience? If you're walking in the best way you can in obedience to God, and you're just uh, living there in the protection of the blood, no demon can get to you, no devil can get to you, nothing can get to you because you are protected by the blood of the lamb that was shed at Calvary. He is disarmed. However, if you go to a bar, which is not God's territory, it's Satan's territory, then anything could happen to you there. You could get stabbed, you could get shot, you could get beat up, and even more vile things than that could happen to you. Praise the Lord. You go on the internet, you turn on perversion, now you're at church with Satan, and this is a different thing. And once you start paying for that, now you're actually tithing to Satan. So now you're going to release demons into your family because you're tithing to the devil. This is not the position that you're supposed to be in. He is disarmed. Say it. He is dethroned. Satan is not the king of the whole world anymore. Jesus dethroned him and took the keys away from him. Praise the Lord. And he is disgraced. Everybody say disarm, dethroned, and disgraced. That is the position of the devil and his demons and his fallen angels. There is a fourth component, but we'll talk about that on Wednesday. But this is very, very powerful. Knowing where Satan is, which is under your feet, changes your perception and your perspective about who you are. Because the second thing about being an overcomer is knowing your position. The Bible tells us we're seated with Christ in heavenly places. The Bible says we're light and not darkness. Praise the Lord. The Bible says we're complete in Jesus and over 189 other positions that we hold when we are hidden in Christ inside of Jesus. Praise the Lord. This is your position. Positionally, you have been given this. Now through faith and obedience, you make it your possession and then you begin to see the manifestations of victory and overcoming in your life. Praise the Lord. This is very powerful. You've got to know when a person is accusing you, for example, your position. Because the people that are going to accuse you are generally not listening to the Holy Spirit since Satan is the accuser and not Jesus. So you can be fairly confident that when an accusation comes your way, 
that is factless, factless and not based on truth, that it's something coming from a bad spirit. So what do you do? Second Corinthians 10, you cast it down. You bring it into subjection to the word of God, and then you say what the word of God is about your position. I'm washed in the blood. Let's all say it. Say, my sins are forgiven. Say, my past is forgiven. My mistakes are forgiven. As soon as I repent, it is washed away out of my life. Because you see, the accuser is not going to respect that. You've got to tell him to shut up. You've got to tell him to shut up. You've got to tell the devil to be quiet. And he will obey you because he has to. It's his position. No demon is going to come in your bedroom and eat you while you sleep there. No devil from hell is going to come in your room and steal your children in the middle of the night. Unless you have been messing around with something that belongs to Satan. Like watching occult movies. That'll bring the demons right into the house. All perversion bring the demons right into the house. All types of violations of women and children and all that, bring it right into that. All terrible things that are not based on, on just normal stuff, but very grotesque things you know are of darkness. That's going to bring those spirits into the house. Praise God. Look at somebody and say, holla, holla. Something's going on right now. Position. Position. You've got to know what your position is. You've got to know, for example, that you're not a worm. You've got to know that you're not a flea on a dog. You've got to know that you're not the scum of the earth because of what you did in your past. You've got to know that you're a new creature. And that old things are passed away. And that everything has become new. You've got to know this in order to have victory and be an overcomer. You've got to know that there's no person alive on earth that's more valuable than you. You've got to know that you are priceless to God. And you're not less than anyone or more than anyone. You're just perfected value. Because you are worth whatever God was willing to pay for you. And since God paid with Jesus, and since Jesus is God, you are worth what God is worth to himself. Turn to somebody and say, Hula, hili, mama, maha. No, I didn't never hear. Mm, I never, whoa, what did you say? I'm worth what God is worth to himself. Since God paid himself with himself. And he paid for you, so your value was established by the payment. Oh, you got to get this because I can't go past point this point unless you get your value right now. You got to get your value. 
Because your daddy didn't tell you that. If you had a bad daddy, he didn't tell you that. That's why no father is better than a bad one. God delivered me from my father. He delivered me from him. And I thank him every day for it. See, sometimes we have too much romance connected. You don't want to have a devil having access to you for 20 and 30 years. Don't be all sad about the deliverances God has brought in your life from insane, crazy people that are going to just rob your dignity, your innocence, and everything else. You don't need those people. Those people are of the devil. Wait till they get saved, and after they get saved, let them stay saved for about five years before you ever make any attempt to do anything because they got to bring forth the fruit. Value. Value. You got to know that. When you make a mistake, you better know who you are. You're a royal priesthood. You're a priest of God. You have been placed in a position where no one is better than you, no matter who your father was. We have to tell this to our orphans, whose father is their uncle or their grandfather. They have to believe that they're priceless and precious and they had nothing to do with their birth. Praise the Lord. See, up till now, some of you have been thinking you're no good. God will never use me. I don't want to do anything. I'm a little shy. You know, what talents do I have? I don't have no gifts. I don't have anything. You know, that would be a slap in God's face for him to make you less than someone else or for him to make you without gifts. And God actually loves you perfectly and doesn't love anybody more than he loves you. It just doesn't make sense. I love my grandchildren, all 16 of them. I would give anything to them, anything whatsoever. My mind is always thinking. My wife and I, we're always, what can I give them? What can we give them? What can we give them? When can I give them this truck? They're four years old. You can't do that right now. You know, Zaya, how do I give him this truck, this ram truck? I'm sorry, you just got to wait a while. But that's how God feels towards you. But that isn't the way people have treated you. You've been used. You've been abused. You've been discarded. You've been slapped. You've been violated in all ways. You've been verbally abused, physically abused. You've been betrayed, backstabbed, lied about. You've been thrown out in the street. You've messed up yourself. You've hated your own self, loathed your own self. And if you're going to have victory and be an overcomer, you need to know that you're a prince and a princess. And it's not because you did something. It's because God bought you and gave you the position of a royal child of his. You've been adopted. That gives me a lot of confidence because I wasn't raised in the most nurturing way. And here I am traveling all over the world, almost at year 50. No, I'm not boasting. I'm just saying it's taken me a while to tell you what I'm telling you and actually know it's true. Praise the Lord. 
Give someone a high five and say, I can tell you're losing weight while you're sitting there. Just tell them that. Said, I can tell you're losing weight while you're sitting there. There's something about that left cheek. It's beginning to sink in. That right one's still popping out, but that left one is kind of caving in while Ivan is preaching right there, giving you revelation. The devil is disarmed, dethroned, and disgraced. You have been bought. You have been rescued. You have been adopted. You have been hidden in Christ. And Jesus is the Lord of your life. And you are an amazing potential waiting to be born. Turn to somebody and say, I don't know if you know this, but I am amazing. Go ahead and look at him and say, I don't know if you know this about me, but let me share some information about myself. I am amazing. Well, you may not think that if you're a prostitute. But if you will repent and turn away from what your conscience tells you is wrong, you'll be adopted. Your past does not define your future in the eyes of God. The eyes of man, yes, but in the eyes of God, no. Praise God. Tell everybody around you, I don't care what your neighbors are saying about you. I like you anyway. Go ahead and tell them that right now. Say, I, I, I don't care what your neighbors are saying about you. I like you anyway. I like you anyway. You see, this kind of preaching does not work well for religious people because the food of a religious man or woman is to shrink people in size so they feel superior to them in the ways of God and in the things of the Bible. That's a Pharisee. They don't want you to be equal with them and not do anything like they do. But I'm sorry, your value is given, not earned. Your value is given, not earned. Your functionality is earned. Your ministries, those are earned by practice and submission and obedience and all those powers and gifts. They demand that you obey God and practice them. But value, no. Love, no. That's given to you before you do anything, before you're even born. Praise God. Husbands, look at your wives and let's sing them our song. You know it because pastor sings it all the time. On the count of three. One, two, three. You are my sunshine, my only sunshine. You make me happy when skies are gray. You'll never know, dear, how much I love you. Please don't take my sunshine away. By the way, that's Zaya's song. So I just wanted you to know that. <laughs> he calls it his own. Point number three, and we'll end with this. I'll give you the other seven on Wednesday. Are you ready? The third point is perseverance. 
Perseverance is a very powerful thing. Let's put the scripture up. And notice what it's about to say. It's about to say it. Matthew 24, 13 is appearing right there on the screen. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. You see, there is a power to overcome in just being patient and not doing anything when you're being tempted or tested. Just stand there and don't say anything or do anything and wait. The temptation will pass. The desire to hit a person, it will pass. The desire to cuss somebody out, it will pass. The desire to pick something up and throw it, it will pass. The desire to do other functions with your body and hands, it will pass. Because there's something very powerful about just enduring. And the secret word to overcoming is never quit no matter what happens. Because quitting is the only true tragedy. If you quit, the journey is over. Don't quit on God. Don't quit on yourself. Don't quit on your wife. And don't quit on your husband. Sure, they're going to need it constantly. They're gonna, you're going to feel like, oh, I'm just giving up on this. I've, this is 35 years of your junk. But don't quit because Jesus doesn't quit on you and you haven't changed in 30 years. You haven't changed one single thing in 30 years. You're still the same person with the same problems. And God doesn't come up and knock on the door and say, here, I'm, this is the eviction notice. I'm quitting on you. Remember that what you marry, you must die with. There's no trade-in. There's no upgrade. You married it. Now you do the best to love it and turn it into the best thing that it can be. I've learned this from my wife. Praise the Lord. She could have quit on me at least 10,000 times. But she just patiently says, well, we just keep on praying. Hallelujah. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Why is this important? Because there's going to come a day where all people in your life will not be enough. And at that point, you must ask yourself this question. Is Jesus truly enough for you? And you must be able to say what pastor just said. Jesus is enough. I don't need my wife to be perfect. I don't need her to treat me any particular way. Because I get my value and my worth from Jesus. It's great if they treat you great. That's the way it should be. But if they don't, you can't just quit and try to make them your Messiah. 
You are my salvation. You are the source of my joy. You are the source of my peace. Without you loving me, I'll lose my mind. Without you being a certain way, I'm going to be unhappy and depressed. That's called idolatry. The only way to love a person is to not need that person to be perfect. Because you get everything you need from Jesus and then hand it over to the people that you want to treat well. Otherwise, you're always subject to their flaws and you're never able to act nice because they're hurting you all the time. Endurance, perseverance. Do you children want your parents to say, we don't want you anymore? No, those children don't need to think that, oh, mama, dad, are you going to give me away or something? No, they need to know under no circumstances, whatever happens, heaven or hell can come, and I'm going to be right there with you to the very end. Go to church or go to jail. I'm with you no matter what. Be good or be bad. I'm going to be with you because I am your parent, and I've committed my life to loving you. This is what Jesus does. It gives you the power to persevere and endure. Look up all the verses on that. But when you're tempted, just calm down and stand there. And it'll pass. It'll pass. Praise the Lord. We need to be able to do that. We need to be able to persevere. We need to be able to stand and be strong no matter what is going on because he, hear my words. Every time you say no to a temptation, it loses a little bit of strength. If you say no to that enough times in a row, there's going to come a day where it no longer talks to you. But as long as you feed it by paying attention to it, by acknowledging its existence, it's going to eat your lunch. Thank you for joining today's podcast. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, you can partner with us and give at kcalaska.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our channel and enjoy more messages like this one.